Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval terms apply stock have too high a price buy a slice trade fractional shares of your favorite u.s stocks and etfs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per one thousand dollars of principal fidelity brokerage services llc member nyse sipc hey okay just a quick note up top that this episode gets like a little like like a little mystical we don't not talk about the power of crystals in this. I wanted to know, as a gemologist, what this ologist's belief was in the mystical nature of rocks, if she believed in it. So I hear her out. I also discuss the neuroscience of the placebo effect and how our thoughts can change our behaviors. It's based in neuroscience. Try not to at me about it because, like, I get it. Okay, cool. Episode four Ologies coming in hot. All right, first off, thanks to everyone who's been listening and leaving reviews on iTunes and rating. You're subscribing. The more you do that, the higher this thing gets in the charts. And then the people see it. And the more people share dumb science jokes, I guess the better. I don't know. And also, thank you to everyone who's supporting on Patreon. I see you and I love you. And for anyone who had a hankering for merch and who's been to ologiesmerch.com, cool shirt or mug or tote. Okay. Gems. This episode about gems. It's truly outrageous. Well, it's pretty good. We don't talk about crotches very much, but it's a pretty good episode. So let's start with the etymology of gemology. Comes from ology, the study of, and gems, meaning gems. But gems comes from an old dusty Latin word for gems, which comes from the word for bud, like a cute little rose only it's dug from the ground and it's worth more than your house. Now, I knew I wanted to cover this topic for months, and so I started hunting down on Facebook for a gemologist, and I got in touch with today's guest, whose number I saved in my phone with uh, the crystal ball emoji, the diamond emoji, and the ring emoji. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret. If you have an emoji next to your name in my phone, I like you. I like you extra more a lot. And this person is just as wonderfully warm and passionate as they come. She's worthy of the emojis. We talked about the difference between gems and minerals, what it's like to be at a blast site, uh, what's the actual deal with mystical healing from a few different angles, hidden crystal caves, some super weird tragic history of the figures in gemology. And because the beauty of gems lies as much in their shimmer as it does the weird, dark mystique of valuable, coveted things. I think part of what's so great about gemology is that there's creepy stuff about it. So this guest is a gemologist and a jewelry cataloger at Bonhams and Butterfields, which is an auction house. And she's just lovely. She's just goddamn lovely. Please enjoy Kelly Sytek. 
Okay. Kelly, gemologist. Yes. This is so exciting. <laughs> I, I've never met a gemologist before. I think it's a very small niche of a field. So I, I, don't, I haven't met many either, except now that I'm actually in the world. But beforehand, before I actually met a diamond dealer, I didn't really know what gemology was or what the industry was like as far as jewelry and minerals and crystals go. So mm -hmm. it was, I mean, once you meet one, then you, a whole world opens. Does a bookshelf spin open and then there's a world of yes. diamond dealers behind it? Diamond dealers, <laughs> gem dealers. It connects to mining in like Africa and Asia and all these different places. And you learn that, you know, so many people are involved in the process of getting a stone from the earth, taking it from the earth to, you know, a piece of jewelry or to a crystal in a, in a shop for sale. So it's, it's really kind of amazing all the work and all the people that go into the whole industry. It's incredible. How long have you been a gemologist? I'm actually a very new gemologist. I graduated just a little over a year ago from the Gemological Institute of America. It's down in Carlsbad. It used to be based out of here. It's also all over the world now. All right. I knew nothing about the Gemological Institute of America, so I did a little digging. Oh, that's a pun. I'm sorry. Honestly, I didn't mean it. So the Gemological Institute of America is legit. If you're going to become a gemologist, this is the way to do it. It was founded by a guy named Robert Shipley. The website for the Gemological Institute of America starts off with his bio, and the sentence sounds like it's straight out of a 1940s movie trailer. It sounds like this. During the depths of the Depression, a middle-aged man with little more than ambition and charisma revolutionized the gem and jewelry industry. That's his bio. He sounds dope. So Shipley was kind of a down-on-his-luck jeweler who screwed up a few times because he didn't know which gems were which, and so his business failed. And then he went through a divorce, which I think was a big deal back then. So he split. He went to Paris. He said, forget this. I'm going to be an artist. He got another wife. Her name was Beatrice. And in general, Shipley was bummed that jewelers often had no idea what stones they were working with. It had boned him in the past. He was upset about it. So B, as she was known, encouraged him to take some goddamn gemology classes. And I'm picturing their conversations, and I, I imagine them talking about this smoking in the living room. Anyway, so Shipley did. He went to England, and he was so impressed with the gemology courses, he came back to America. He started up this institute in the U.S. He sold microscopes and loops and gem info booklets out of their apartment. He and B, man, what a team. Nowadays, to become a certified gemologist, you can do it for about 20 grand on campus in Carlsbad or a little bit less if you study up at home. Either way, you definitely get one of those cool squinty loop situations. So they send you all the, the schoolwork and all the stones to identify, and then you go down there to take the scariest test of all time to get your degree. Um, it's very intense. It's called the 20 stone. It's very, like, menacing. But what you have it? to you have to take... 20 stones, whatever they give you. Okay. And it, it's really um, whatever they had given you in your test, they'll give you one of those, but it, it could be synthetic. It could be an imitation of something. It could be the natural form of the stone, but you have to identify it, do tests with the gemological equipment, like a refractometer and a polariscope and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then you have to identify what it is, but you can't get anything wrong. So if you get one little tiny thing wrong, then you fail. And I actually failed my first one from one answer. It was a synthetic emerald versus a natural emerald. And 
and I had to take it again and it was fine. But oh, do you hate emeralds now? Are you so pissed at them? It it honestly made me just want to see so many more because, you know, the best thing you can do for yourself in gemology is just get your hands on as many stones as possible because people are getting really good at um, imitating stones and recreating stones to make them look natural, but they're not. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets scary with like actually buying gemstones or jewelry. You just like don't know because there's so many good fakes now and um, you want to actually know what you're purchasing or you you have. So um, no, I'm like, damn it, emeralds. How did you get so in, how did you get so involved in this? Like you've been doing it for a year, but were you always super into crystals? Um, from a young age, yes. My dad tells me stories of hanging out in the driveway. He would like put me outside and then he'd come back and there would be these piles of sticks and stones. He was like, I don't know what you were doing. If it was like some ceremony or something. You're a baby witch. Baby witch doing some sort of spells with the earth. I'm not sure. Um, but I've always had a fascination with bugs and rocks and the earth and dirt and things like that. So I actually went to, um, get a BA in the arts first. I have a um, art history minor and then it's a fine art degree that's in printmaking. Mm-hmm. And I kind of didn't really know what to do from there, what I wanted to do, but I always loved antiques and things like that. So then I went into the antique world, the antique business and worked in some antique shops. And that is where I met the diamond dealer and understood like I love antique jewelry and the idea of the preservation of history and it's very sentimental. Right. And Wait, then, you met the diamond dealer. <laughs> like was he wearing a cloak and did he have a mustache and a monocle? Like who is this guy? No, he's actually like very suave. I don't he's like very much a diamond dealer. Like they're very <laughs> they're very like charming. They know how to like talk a deal and things like that, which was good. He was very, very supportive and helpful. And just like, you know, you love jewelry so much. Have you thought of this? You should really look into the program um, at the GIA. And then I did. And, and then from there, it's actually really interesting. My love is actually with minerals and how they come straight from the earth, the raw specimens. Mm -hmm. So this ended up kind of combining nature and art and history all in one. All in one. All my favorite things. Yeah. And so that's where I am now. How did you celebrate when you passed your second test? I cried and called my mom. You did? I did. I literally was like, I'm so proud of myself. (laughs) Because there was, um, with the online program, there's so many different people from so many different walks of life taking it. So there's like older people that have been in the business forever, but they want their actual degree now. Mm -hmm. Um, It was mostly um, some older ladies as well, but a lot of them had a hard time passing it. So I was really like psyching myself out. I was like, oh my gosh. Like they did the online program and I did the online program. How am I going to do this? But I think it's just so mental. It's just going in there just saying, I understand the stones. I've seen them. I know what to look for. And you get to like use a microscope to look inside there and just like see the entire world of the stone. No cheat sheet? No cheat sheet. Can you wear any rings or anything with you? (laughs) You're like, all right, I know this is a There is like this giant book you get to use. So what you first do is you kind of identify a body color. And if it's translucent or opaque, things like that, like um, characteristics, just looking at it with your eye. Mm-hmm. And then you go into using a refractometer, which is where you put the stone with RI liquid and you figure out what its refractive index is. That's kind of like how it splits light. Okay. And that's a very big sign of what the stone's going to be. So if it's 1.77, you know, it's going to be like a sapphire generally. Oh. So each stone kind of has their own number, which helps you identify. Some are very similar. So you need a a bit more information like 
use a polariscope to see its polarity of things. And then um, you go from there, but you do a couple tests to figure out. And then you have to go into looking at through the microscope to see, does it have signs of um, being, you know, man-made? Is it a bull? Is it, you know, from- How do you tell if it's man-made? Is it too perfect? (laughs) Sometimes like it's very eye clean. So if you don't see anything, you're like, well, this looks a little suspicious. Okay. So you're like, it's either a natural stone that's been heated or diffused to make the color better, or it's now a synthetic stone that is created through one of four processes with like heat and chemicals and things like that. So it's really interesting. It looks like this long cylinder shape, the the, um, synthetic ones called Mm -hmm. a bool, and then they cut it from there. So when you're looking in the microscope and you turn it on a certain axis, you can see these beautiful curved striae, which is like rings. And mm-hmm. that's how you tell it was in this cili- like oh. cylinder-shaped pool. And how do they make them? Do they just put some carbon like under insane pressure in a factory? Yeah, it's like in this platinum crucible and then like minerals. And like there's a few different processes where they either like slowly drip minerals in there or they just have it all in this kind of mixture and then they heat it up and... It's very complicated. I don't even know. I'd love to see how it's done. (laughs) Are there any people that go synthetic because they think it's like more like cruelty free or like better like Like from an environmental or or, yeah, like there's the whole (laughs) blood diamond sitch. Like, right. Do people gravitate towards synthetic kind of like a tofurkey on Thanksgiving? (laughs) Do you know what I I mean? I think synthetic is more um, for cost. I think a lot of people want the look of a beautiful sapphire, but maybe they can't afford it. So then they go synthetic and you still get that great look. And it is the actual chemical makeup of the sapphire, Mm -hmm. but it's just synthetic and it's been man-made. I think mining is hard uh, to really wrap your mind around because there are certain governmental protection like for the miners and the companies that are put in place. So there isn't you know, constant power struggle for these or violence, things like that. But you can't control everything. So unfortunately, you just don't know where all these um, pieces are coming from. But I think that's why for me, I really like a lot of the antique jewelry because um, it's been around. It's not new. It's not being mined now. These days, people, of course, are much more aware of blood diamonds. So thanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, for bringing that into awareness with your film, Blood Diamond. They're also called Conflict Diamonds which I feel like there was someone in PR that's like, can we not call them blood diamonds? Can we call them conflict diamonds? Conflict sounds less awful than blood diamonds, but these stones, the money was used to fund ongoing conflict, insurgency, and wars. Now, it's said that one in four diamonds, roughly, is a conflict diamond. But there were regulations. There's one called the Kimberly process. And Some things pass through, that's for sure. I asked Kelly how she felt about it, and she said this. I'm very into ethically sourced diamonds, although I think even with all the laws and systems in place, it can be hard to truly know how diamonds come to find themselves in jewelry. And that is why I'm also a huge fan of older diamonds or reusing family diamonds. So there you go. Old is cool. Now, what's up with birthstones? And does Kelly even like hers? God, I hope it's not an emerald. It's not. Thank the Lord. Can you imagine? I'm an aquamarine. (laughs) Just be spiteful towards my birthstone for the rest of my life. No. It's an aquamarine. aquamarine. How do they choose that? How do they decide that that's, what what month is that? It's March. March, okay. Um, Honestly, I have no idea what the history is of um, birthstones, but. All right. History of birthstones. This goes back to the Bible. 
was not what I was expecting to learn. Israelites wore a ceremonial breastplate. It was adorned with four rows of three precious stones said to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. There's also something in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, about 12 different stones. So this goes way, way, way back. But in 1916, a bunch of jewelers got together in Kansas and put out an official list. This is your month you were born. This is your stone. Suddenly, everyone cared about their stone. It was genius. Everyone except people who got topaz. Um, what's yours? Do you know? Mine sucks. What is it? It's a topaz. I was going to say pearl, but. Oh my gosh, topaz. There's some beautiful topaz. Like imperial topaz is my favorite. It's like beautiful, like glowing kind of orangey red topaz. And it's just spectacular. Well, that actually, okay. Because every time you'd go to like the mall and they'd be like, what's your, what's your month? And (laughs) everyone would be like emeralds and diamonds and rubies. And then topaz. You'd get to November and it was literally the color of like sewer water. And you're like, yes. what happened? Why How did this? Did they run out no. of gemstones they in just, November? They just decided to make the probably the worst color um, topaz. But why response, are there but. some, why are topazes like, okay, we know diamonds can be different colors. Topazes um, can be many different colors. Same with emeralds and rubies. What makes a gem different colors? And this is such a dumb question. It is but. the chemical makeup of the gem. So whatever minerals were in the area, the heat and the pressure in the minerals in the ground that combined create the chemical makeup of a stone and that okay. creates the color. So like vanadium and things like that can create a different color in different gemstones. It's all about what is combined um, and what was kind of like in the stew of this mm-hmm. this mineral that made it that color. So with um, like tourmaline is one of my favorite stones because it comes in, I think, the largest array of colors, you know, be- like hot pink and gorgeous teals and green and blue and um, reds, every color really. Um, so I think a lot of gemstones people don't realize do that as well. Like it's interesting because a ruby and a sapphire are actually the same stone. They're both in the family of corundum. Really? But then their color gives them a specific name. So a oh. ruby is the red form of corundum. Stop it. And then sapphire is the blue form. And then you can also get into like the definition of a pink sapphire mm-hmm. versus a ruby is just the color. So pink sapphire and ruby are the same thing, except when you have a red body color, it's then a ruby instead of a pink sapphire, well, which is what, pink. What makes a topaz different from an emerald or from a ruby? Like, what is it the structure of the crystals inside? The structure of the crystal and okay. just um, literally the chemical compound. So there's seven different um, growth characteristic types mm-hmm. for gemstones. So there's only seven ways that they'll really grow. Monolithic, trilithic, there's seven of these in these structures. So you'll see a spinel or like pyrite and they grow into like a perfect cube it's so cool right I've naturally seen just right. a cube and some grow like with a like hexagonal shape mm-hmm. like a barrel grows with a hexagon so um that also contributes to what makes them different is their natural growth structure oh. but topaz is beautiful in summer i've seen like a kind of bluey green one it was so gorgeous that's so nice like of you to say water. yeah that's a that's like a very like you know when you see like an ugly baby and you're like it's gonna grow up and be fine like the topaz is like all right it's like but it's beautiful it's they're beautiful. all beautiful they're all beautiful you just have to find the ones that really speak to you that's what it's about are you pissed about pearl because a pearl's not a goddamn gemstone that's just a dingleberry from a clam well, from an <laughs> oyster 
But do you know what I mean? No, it, yeah, it's an organic product. So it's, I mean, for me, I like, I'm not super into pearls just because that they're actually cut from an animal. I'm vegan, but, oh. so it makes me sad. But right. it's also just beautiful that like an animal can create such an incredible product. It's just this natural. But it's know. not a gem. Or is it a gem? What's a gem it's, exactly? Like versus a mineral. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember the exact definition of that right now. I mean, it's good. It, it means it doesn't come up in your work very much. Right? It does not. The definition of a gemstone does not come up in my work very often. That's okay. I looked it up. So a gemstone is a precious or a semi-precious stone or a mineral chosen for its beauty, chosen for its durability. It's cut and then polished. Now, check this out. There's a difference between a rock and a mineral. I never, ever thought about this. A mineral has a very unique chemical structure and properties. But a rock is just a combination of different minerals. This fact is so precise, and I would never have learned it if I hadn't just had to look it up. And it makes me want to sound an air horn like the ones that party DJs use. Okay, I'm going to, but just super tiny in the background. Um, but I think pearls are technically an organic matter or material oh. because they come from just like coral. So those are in the organic field and then rocks and gemstones are inorganic. It is weird that there is one gemstone that's just like, we pluck this thing out of a, out of a bivalve. You know what I mean? Isn't that weird that like, <laughs> it yes. came from like a, that's weird. I never really weird. thought about that. It's, I'm not sure who discovered that and was like, this is going to be beautiful and this is going to be jewelry and it's going to be a precious thing that's desired. Who creates the like demand for certain things? I'm not sure, but it is fascinating. Okay, so there's evidence of prehistoric pearl hunting. People love these for millennia, but for thousands of years, it was pretty much a crapshoot. In a few tons of oysters, only a few would have like a naturally occurring pearl. So pearls were incredibly expensive because you'd you just hope that this little critter got a chunk of something stuck in its craw. But then in the early 1900s, that all changed. There was a guy named William Saval Kent. He was a British biologist who was really, really into sustainable fisheries. Someone's got to be into that. Now, in the 1890s, he was in Australia. He was experimenting with pearl cultivation, and it involved a little round bead made of mollusk shell plus a little piece of donor mollusk material being surgically implanted into the gonads of a mollusk. And then they returned to the ocean in a net for a few years. They're like, work on that pearl. And they're like, I hate you. So he was working on this in a place called the Thursday Islands. And some guys named Misei and Nishikawa also happened to be in the Thursday Islands. And they patented this in 1907. It took a while to get all the patents, all that stuff. Anyway, in 1921, round cultured pearls hit the market. So it's said that this guy, William Saval Kent, maybe adopted it and maybe these guys came to the Thursday Islands and were like, hey, that's pretty good. And then took it back to Japan and patented it. Whatever. William Saval Kent was like, take the pearls. My life sucks. I've got bigger problems. For example, his mom died early. His half-brother was killed by his sister, perhaps, who was convicted of it, although he maybe was an accomplice, but he was never charged. Anyway, it's all sad. It's all super dark. Makes me want to hug everyone in the world and then go hide in a cave. Speaking of caves. And then have you been on a dig at all? I went on one dig, and it's pretty much the coolest thing on the entire planet. Really? What happened? And I want to go mining 
so much more in my life. Um, I was taken by a friend on this kind of like private mining tour down in um, like Ocean View or Oceanside, mm-hmm. Oceanside in California, which is where a lot of tourmaline mines are. And they get like smoky quartz and things like that. So there's a lot of great mining here in California. And you can actually um, pay to go and mine for the day, which is really fun too. In Southern California, if you check out this site called Dig for Gems, for 75 bucks, you can go haul some rocks for the day. But warning, bring water. And apparently the owner is a lot like Yosemite Sam and that he is a cantankerous pioneer type. Do you yeah. get to keep what you get? Yeah, you get <gasps> to like keep certain things, which is really cool. I haven't done that yet, but I need to. We went on this one tour where we went and saw like deep in the mine. So you actually go in the mountainside and there were a whole bunch of guys that were drilling the wall to blast that day. Ooh. So I'm literally like watching them drill these holes and it's really loud and they're like, you know, pumping it full of water so it doesn't, you know, create a lot of heat and whatever. Um so there's a bunch of holes in the wall and then they bring in the dynamite sticks, which is terrifying. Dang. To be around dynamite is so scary. So they make like holes like burrows and then they shove yes. the dynamite in the burrows. So what they do is like when they're looking in a wall, you want to look for little signs of crystals or like a pocket that will have stones in it. And then from there, you're going to try to blast to open up a pocket. And hopefully behind there, there is some, some form of like rocks or crystals or things like that. Um, and sometimes you hit it really big and you hit this great pocket and it's like full of gems or you end up like, I think a lot of times people maybe end up destroying stones because they're trying to blast the wall or, you know, things like, I know that's such a harsh fail, but you gotta, you know, I think you just have to try, you you know, you don't know, you can either go in there with your hands or you're going to blast the wall open if there's a pocket. So yeah, like what else are you going to do? Just pick at it with your fingernails till you get through a mountain. Yeah. You can't do that. No, it's, I, we would take forever. Right. So, yeah, because we were very far in the mountain. Um, were so you claustrophobic? No, it's okay. It's like huge. Okay. The, the caverns they make are like just ginormous. For, and there's all these like different kind of like, walkways to go ooh. through and different levels that you can go up. It's wild. You feel literally like kind of like a mole or something like wandering <laughs> around. I was like, oh, wow, animal life. Um, so we packed everything full of dynamite. and then. They light everything. And I'm like, are we not supposed to be running right now out of the mountain? And they're just taking their time. They're like, oh, we have four minutes. I was like, I'm going to run out the mountain. You're in the mountain? We're in the mountain. Then they light it. And so, what? yeah, so, so scary. So then we like get outside and then it's the deepest, biggest boom you've ever felt. Whoa. And it was just like, boom. And I was like, oh my God, that's so scary. And then you see all of the dust come out and then you have to wait an hour to let it settle. Okay. And then they go in there and they kind of like, hit the top of the ceiling to make sure nothing comes down because there's still rock that's loose. Who has that job? A man with a hard hat. That job sucks. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so scary. (laughs) And then you go in there and we got to kind of dig around to see if there was anything that was in the pocket. And unfortunately that day there wasn't, but they showed us another kind of area that did have a little bit of a pocket. So we, we got to take some quartz home and things like that, which was really cool. Did you keep it? Yeah, I have a couple, like there's a rock that has like this beautiful, like perfect quartz point coming out of it. Um, and they've gotten a lot of um, spodumene out of there, which is um, a type of crystal. And it's so cool because on different axes, it like shows either like a pink or like this beautiful violet color, which Ooh. is so cool. So you turn it and you see different colors. 
And there was this one in there called Big Kahuna that they took out of there. And Big Kahuna? Big they Kahuna. named it? And it's huge. <laughs> I mean, this thing is the biggest that I think they've ever seen. So, Is it typical to name crystals? Yeah, there's also one that's <laughs> really cool. It's like this beautiful tourmaline, like um, I think party colored tourmaline on a quartz. And it looks like a steamboat. So I think it's called like a steamboat something. I'm not sure what it is, but I had I think, no idea they got nicknames. Yeah, there's not going to be another one of these in the world. And then they name them because they're just so amazing. Yeah. Now let's get back to your crystals. You have a collection of crystals, clearly, yes. right? Do you oh, name yes. those or no? <laughs> I don't name them, but okay. they definitely, I think like if you go anywhere, you they definitely have a certain energy. Like some really speak to you or not, you know? Mm-hmm. It's almost like any object. It either calls to you or it doesn't. And with crystals for me, their beauty and their individuality really talks. It's, you know, if you're in a store of crystals, there's mm-hmm. going to be one that's like, take me home. Like, well, I need to come with you. I did that recently. I was you in did. Arizona. Yes. And I was, and I went into a little gem cool. shop and I was like, oh, this is lovely. <laughs> and, um, and I was looking at things and I was like, what do you have? That's like a good calming yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like a chihuahua. I'm just like, oh, like oh, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's like something calming? And he's like this blue thing. Oh, I have it in my wallet. Yes. Can you tell me what it is? Yes. Okay. This is not meant to be a pop quiz. No, let's do it. I'm like, I'm going to suggest blue lace agate first in my mind of what he would suggest, but let's see what it is. Okay. Let's see excited. diagnosis. There's in my wallet. There's also earplugs and bobby pins. That's not The essentials. Yeah. The essentials. (laughs) So, okay. Okay. So I got this blue... thing because he said it was calming and also because he seemed so nice. I didn't want to just walk out of his shop without buying anything. No, this is, this is actually a quartz. Okay. It's called aqua aura quartz and it's actually treated. So what they do is they put this in some sort of container or crucible or something and they heat it with titanium. What? Like particles. And that actually puts this blue kind of rainbow essence on the surface so it's a quart point, a quartz point. So that has a lot of incredible healing powers. Okay. This is where science and the woo-woo kind of collide. Just stick with me. Let's look into this. So in the last five years, apparently there's been a 40% increase in Google searches for the term crystal healing. Now, do crystals work? It really, really depends on your definition of work. One study in 2001 by Dr. Christopher French asked participants to meditate for five minutes holding a crystal. Some were given a real awesome crystal. Some were given a fake crystal. But people who reported warmth in their hands and increased feelings of well-being were about equal. So wellness is kind of in the hand of the beholder here. Well, I have a question about mm-hmm. this. Is it not kosher to touch someone's crystal? Because I always feel like mm. you're not supposed to touch their crystal. That's a great question because I think sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. But there are a lot of people that work really intensely with crystals and they work with programming them with their intentions, with they, what they want to manifest. So it, it can be good to ask. But for me, like if it's generally jewelry, I'm just like, I wear it for the good energy and the good vibes. And if people want to, it's like, that's whatever, you know, you're going to share the energy and good juju. Did you take a specific crystal down with you to take the test? I think I had a few that day. I definitely had some quartz and some black tourmaline because black tourmaline is really grounding and it's really good for your home, especially. 
but it helps take away negative energy and negative thoughts and things like that. So I was like, I need to be calm and grounded. And I did have some labradorite. It's a stone of magic. And I was like, I need some extra help today <laughs> to pass this test. So that's it worked. Evidently. It worked. I had like the little cluster on my desk. The psychology of crystals is super interesting scientifically. Number one, crystals are here. Some people swear by them. Adele, Katy Perry, all of the Kardashians, a Madonna. So as long as you're going to hear about crystals, let's consider the psychology and the physiology behind them. We'll get to the physics in a minute. Okay, first, your brain is a jiggly mess. It's got nerves and wires and fatty stuff and memories and shit we don't understand. But one of those things we kind of understand is the placebo effect. Now, according to my doctor, www.webmd.com, one of the most common theories is that the placebo effect is due to a person's expectations. So if a person expects a pill to do something, then it's possible that the body's own chemistry can cause effects similar to what a medication might have caused. There's a word for this. It's called neural top-down control of physiology. That is the direct regulation by the brain of physiological features, features like the immune system and metabolism and stress. I didn't totally get this, so I looked up this scientific paper called Top-Down and Bottom-Up Mechanics in Mind-Body Medicine, Development of an Integrative Framework for Psychophysiological Research. Sure. Okay, this is what it said. And this was a published scientific paper. So mind-body therapies, including things like hypnosis, biofeedback, yoga, meditation, tai chi, have been found effective for reducing depression, insomnia, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, irritable bowel syndrome, nausea, acute and chronic pain, and for managing impaired circulation, diabetes, stuff like that. And there's a number of mechanisms of top-down control of physiology that you can use to achieve that. One might be meditation. One might be holding a rock. What's yeah. a good starter kit for people with who are like, I'm going to do it. This is the year. <laughs> this is my year to dabble in crystals. I'm going to become one of those witchy people. And I'm mm. just going to dabble in awesome minerals and stuff. Just like a little, a few crystals. Yeah. What's okay. like, there's like, they walk into a gem store. Like what's their starter kit? Like they want to be like, ha. This is a great, great question. Also. They want to get, have a good job. Like a starter kit. This is great. Okay. Number one, definitely clear quartz because it is a master healer. Okay. And please note, if you get crystals, you need to cleanse them as well. You want to put them in the moonlight if you can. Just let that cleanse them or you can put them in the sunshine or put them in salt water or rice, I think does it too. Rice? Rice, so you can just put them in rice. <laughs> You're like, I dropped my crystals. crystal in the toilet and I need <laughs> to dry it out. <laughs> like put it in a bag of rice. Is it like charging something that's glow in the dark? Like holding kind it up to a light kind yeah, of? Yeah, okay. kind of. Like right. you need to like, especially with quartz because it takes in so much energy, you want to release it. There is something called piezoelectricity and it's the principle that crystalline forms like quartz can generate electricity when under stress. I mean, you see this if you have a quartz watch. Mm. Some folks argue that the crystalline structure in minerals aligns with the energy field of our bodies. Others say, well, shit, dog, that's pretty rock and it makes me happy. My stance, tomato, tomato. Does the thing make you happy? Do the thing. Quartz for sure. If you want to bring abundance, money, more monetary, like stuff into your life, you want to get citrine, which is this beautiful kind of golden oh, color. Okay. It is also quartz. Um, 
but that is like the abundance stone and it's just, it's good for everything. And then if you want something to heal your heart, to promote self-love and self-care, you want to get rose quartz, which is a beautiful pink color. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite stones. It's very soothing. It's this gorgeous, like soft, dusty pink. Um, and that is number one heart stone. Ooh. And then also black tourmaline, you definitely want to have just for your home, for yourself as protection, because as we go into the world, you know, there's so much going on. And, and I think that tourmaline is a really good protector against, you know, whatever might arise that you're not really comfortable with. Um, like world wars and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Like the apocalypse. Kind of. You want to be prepared <laughs> with your crystals. Um, if anything, you can throw them at people. <laughs> um, like, I got a spiky one. Yeah. Come at me, bitches. Right? <laughs> this one's really heavy. Right. Um, and then I think probably finally for me, um, I love Labradorite. It's one of my favorite stones. I have so much of it just because it is incredibly beautiful. And it like every single one is different and it is the stone of magic. Mm-hmm. And I totally believe that. What are the camps of other gemologists or diamond dealers? How do they feel about like, anything spiritual with with gems like where do you where does where do gemologists fall this is it's such a mixed bag I think because crystals for me they're they're just like this beautiful creation of the earth so they really ground me to the earth and they remind me to kind of calm down and center and some people are just not in that mind frame they're not on that spiritual side of things so they're just they come from the earth and that is it and they want to sell it for money and they look at it as it at it as like a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on your views on life and if you're a spiritual or not. And some people dabble a little bit because they just think they're so beautiful and they're actual just crystal collectors. It's not so much for the spiritual side, but just the beauty and the rarity of the items. So it's really a mixed bag all over the spectrum. It's not so much about the figure or whatever you're holding. It's just that you get to put your energy into something physical. You're not just always having to think or believe in something. You can actually hold something. Well, it seems like once you kind of know what a stone stands for, mm-hmm. then like anytime you look at a, a glimmering gold stone or like a rose quartz, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's right. My heart yeah. has to heal. Other mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it'll be on your mind at least. Um, I have a bunch of questions from people the who people. yeah wanted to... Just pepper you with questions. So okay. we'll do a rapid fire round. Okay. You don't Ready. have to answer them in depth, but just tell rapid me. Fire. Yeah, we'll rapid fire these. But before we take questions from you, our beloved listeners, we're going to take a quick break for sponsors of the show. Sponsors, why sponsors? You know what they do? They help us give money to different charities every week. So if you want to know where Ologies gives our money, you can go to AliWord.com and look for the tab Ologies Gives Back. There's like 150 different charities that we've given to already with more every single week. So if you need a place to go donate a little bit of money, but you're not sure where to go, those are all picked by ologists who work in those fields. And this ad break allows us to give a ton of money to them. So thanks for listening and thanks sponsors. KiwiCo. You know I love KiwiCo because making stuff and learning while you do it, the best way. And KiwiCo is great. They deliver seriously fun learning for kids of all ages. They have these hands-on projects and activities and each month kids receive crates that are engaging and that introduce them to things like science and technology or concepts and art. And I love that all the things you need are in there so you're not going to be running out to the store to get pipe cleaners. You're not going to run out of glue or something. And KiwiCo tests these crates with professionals and with kids to make them the best they can be. 
there's so many different projects depending on what your kiddo's interested in, what age or grade level they're at. You can discover the science of magic. You can engineer a domino machine. These make great gifts. I have given these to so many kids. And I also like that there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel crates anytime. So redefine learning with play. You can explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month on any crate line at KiwiCo.com with the promo code OLOGIES. So that's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code OLOGIES. They're going to love it. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, your landscape design, and they curate thousands of plants. They got climates, they got locations. I am stoked about this because I've wanted a fig tree for so long and I'm like, I don't know where to get the fig tree. I'm not quite sure where to plant it in the yard. And I went to the Fast Growing Trees website and I was like, boom, I'm in zone 10. This fig tree would work well for me. Done. And right now they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code ologies at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code ologies at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code ologies. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, here's how I like my clothes. I like them classic. I like them well-made. I like them comfortable and I like them ethical, which is why I flipped when I first heard about Quince. So Quince partners directly with these top factories. So they cut out the cost of the middleman and then they pass the savings on to obviously you. They have these 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters that start at 50 bucks. They have organic cotton sweaters. They have washable silk tops. They even have 14 karat jewelry in case you are looking for a present maybe for yourself. So Quince items are priced like 50 to 80% less than similar brands. But Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. And I like that their styles are well-made, well-cut, but also classic. I did not own a cashmere sweater before Quince. That was the kind of thing that I would splurge for for other people, but not myself. But I was like, you know what, Quince? I think I shall. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash ologies for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash ologies. You look amazing. How you doing on that D, that vitamin D? Could be better. I feel ya. Some of us are coming out of a winter. I don't know how much outside time you get. I don't know how your vitamin D is dietarily, but I know a lot of people, including myself, especially women over 18, 97% of us not getting enough vitamin D from our diet. Rituals like, how about I help you? They're a clinically backed multivitamin. So skeptics, here's a multivitamin that's like, yeah, we use science to formulate this. I think you're gonna like it. Ritual multivitamins are vegan. They're gluten and major allergen free. I also like that Ritual is a female founded B Corp. So they're doing good for the health of people and the planet. Ritual multivitamins are also gentle on an empty stomach. I like though when I open mine, they have kind of a minty essence. I've got Ritual vitamins in my belly right now, to be honest. I take them every day. 
They have kind of a lava lamp look with oil and beads inside. I also have their melatonin caps at night when I need to go bye-bye Z's. So no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. And get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash ologies. So start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. So that's ritual.com slash ologies for 20% off. Okay, your questions. These are some good questions that I never would have thought of. Okay. okay. Um, Jen wants to know, I want to know what stone other than diamonds is overrated and what stone is <laughs> underappreciated? Oh my gosh. It's a good question, Wow, right? that was great. Good job, Jen. Um, overrated. I'm just going to quickly go, not to be spiteful, with emeralds because... <laughs> um, emeralds are on your <laughs> shit list. <laughs> because it is actually a fact that 85% of them are actually treated with an oil or a resin to make their clarity better. And not to take away from the amazing energy of an emerald, but I think it is deceptive sometimes if people don't truly know that. So if you're listening, know that 85% of emeralds are generally treated. um, They're not synthetic, but they are treated with oil or something within them to make them more clear. So overrated um, emeralds. Overrated. Underrated. Mm, That's really hard. Labradorite. Spectrolite. Spectrolite for sure. Um, I think underrated and should be more out there is just one of my favorite stones of all time called um, lodolite quartz or garden quartz because it literally looks like a foamy purple green garden inside of quartz. It's like one of the most amazing stones I've ever seen. And um, they come in just like all these different shapes. I wish I would have brought one. Actually, my bracelet has it in it. But it looks like kind of like moss. Oh my God, that's so cool. It's like a cool natural marble yeah it's crazy and um it's just like this whole world of stripes and you can see the growth patterns and the texture looks like that green foam you stick flowers into Uh and you just want to touch it but it is hard and it is encased in stone garden quartz garden quartz or it's lodolite quartz that's harder to spell people remember garden quartz yeah garden quartz spell lodolite i don't know i have no idea where to start with that maybe (laughs) now L-O-D-O-L-I-T-E. Garden quartz, easier to remember. Okay, um, uh, Jessica wants to know if you have thoughts on haunted and cursed Mm. gems. You know, it's really interesting. I met this woman that I used to work for, and she was the first person that ever said bad juju to me, that phrase bad juju. And it's from her two-stone antique diamond engagement ring that she had with her ex-husband. She's Uh like, this ring has bad juju. And I have now fully come to realize that it exists and it is true. So I think... <laughs> How? Can you, I just what think if you put them in the moonlight? Maybe, but I think it's more like you just need to get rid of them from... Like, I think someone can restore the good energy of a stone, but I think a lot of times for a person, it can have such a negative connotation that you just need to like get rid of it from your life. And I think that's why pe- a lot of people sell their stones or their jewels because they want to get rid of that situation that it was in and hopefully the person that gets it then can bring some new life to it if you have a haunted gem should you first try to put it in rice or salt water or the moonlight and see if your life gets better i you know i would but i think it's such a mental state like if you have a nasty ex-husband or partner or whoever that you keep look you look at the ring and you're like oh right and then you're like oh well maybe i could make it into earrings or something else but then you'd still be thinking about it you might as well just get rid of it and get something fresh so haunted gems, yes, they're a real thing. Real bad juju. Um, well, how do you feel about making cremains into gemstone, which are human remains? You know how you can take mm-hmm. you can take 
human remains that have like uh, the ashes. Yes. And then turn them into a gemstone question mark? I have heard that recently into okay. like a diamond or something. Right. I'm about all it. about that personally because I'm a huge fan of Memento Mori jewelry and the sentimental like longing and loving of people that cared so deeply for their loved ones and they want to remember them. So in Victorian times, they used to take hair and weave it into like watch fobs or necklaces or brooches and, or they would um, like recently in the auction, I work at an auction house and we have this adorable moonstone baby face brooch with a diamond bonnet. And it was probably for a child that had passed, but it's so sentimental. And I think, you know, whatever way you want to remember your loved one is wonderful. I mean, some people do blood in a vial. I don't know. If you were too young to recall Angelina Jolie and her husband, Billy Bob Thornton, wearing vials of blood around their neck, please Google that. If for no other reason than to see the evolution of Angelina's eyebrows. I'm really into that. Just like loving memory of someone. So provided they're not a dick and then you're going to have a haunted. Exactly. Remains you don't want to do that one. All right, Claire, that was your, your question. So right. Yeah. Just make sure they're not a jerk. Yeah. Oh, um, Justin wants to know, is Jem truly outrageous? Probably. Yes. Maybe. Brittany would like to know what the difference is between mineralogy and gemology. That's a great question. Um, I think what it comes down to is gemology is more the study of faceted gemstones. Okay. And, and I think mineralogy is the study of their natural form, how they come out of the earth. So then once you take those um, natural form and you cut it down to a gemstone, then that is when it becomes gemology. And then you're really looking inside at the stone and its characteristics as far as if it's synthetic or natural rather than how it is, you know, from the earth and you dig it up and it's a perfect specimen. So, Oh, got it. So it's yeah. kind of like a product of that. A yes, little exactly. Bit. Yeah. And then... This was my, oh, a couple of people asked this. So uh, diamond engagement rings, how did that start? And is that over or people, or is that going to be eternal that people are going to be giving diamonds as engagement? Diamonds are forever. <laughs> um, I think number one, with slogans aside, diamonds are so popular because they are the toughest, hardest stone in existence. So you can bang them around, whatever, and they will last your lifetime. Other stones, not so much. You have to be more careful about what you're putting in a, in a setting and how you're setting it. So the next hardest stone is then a sapphire or a ruby. So a lot of people go with that, that option as well mm -hmm. for um, an engagement ring. Um, but then when you get into other areas like opal, which is something I do not recommend for an engagement ring whatsoever because it is one of the softest stones and it will craze. It will start to crack. Really? If you don't take care of it and if you wear it every day. So it's one that won't last as long. So I think um, diamonds are so wonderful because they are just so hard and they'll last you your lifetime if you, you know, take care of them properly. Some do chip if you hit them just right, um, but it is pretty rare. So I think that's why they're such a popular option. Um, where that exactly started, I'm not sure. It could have just been because of wanting to expand the diamond market once more diamonds were found and, you know, people use marketing to make everything happen. Oh, engagement rings. Quick history. Diamonds, rare expensive. But in the 1860s, huge diamond mines were discovered in South Africa. Whoo boy, were there diamonds. De Beers Diamond Cartel was founded. Then the depression hit. And in the late 1930s, they needed to sell more diamonds. So a marketing campaign was launched to convince people that starlets and rich people and the truly in love were diamonds. 
In the late 1940s, the slogan, a diamond is forever, was coined. And I mean, granted, diamonds are a hard ass stone, but they want you to want them. And also the lyrics, if you like it, then you should have offered a marriage dowry of goats and textiles and household items does not have the same um, ring. Sorry. Okay. Diamonds. So they're hardy. They are hardy. They are the number one hardest stone. Right. Yeah. And if you get a, a used one and it's haunted, try to cleanse it. Cleanse it. Okay. Moonlight. GTK. Good to know. <laughs> um, okay. And then we'll do, we'll do good side, bad side. What is your least favorite thing about gemology? What is something that's just it's annoying or pisses you off? Oh, um, or about your job as a gemologist because you work at an auction house I appraising, auction and, house. right? Yeah, and I think my least favorite part of the job is all of the deception that comes with trying to mimic stones or imitate them. Especially if you go to a lot of foreign countries, they want to sell you rough stones, but they will they will manipulate them to look, you know, real or authentic, and then you get them home and they're totally fake or they're like glass with some sort of, you know, um, treatment on them. So that makes me really sad that there's a lack of respect. People want to make money and things like that, but don't go, don't go stain a beer bottle and then be like, or heat it and call it this type of Ruby. And then you find out that it's heat treated and it loses its value by, you know, more than half. So, right. Um, but by that point you're like on another continent and they're like, womp, womp. Yeah. Joke's on you. Yeah. Don't buy it like that. I mean, if you don't know what you're looking for, don't do it. Know your shit before you go to another country and take home some jewels. Right. (laughs) You want to know just some some little tips before going through with that. But I think that's probably my biggest thing is like the deception that exists in the world is just really sad. So tell me your favorite thing. Um, My favorite thing that makes me so unbelievably happy is when you look inside of a stone in a microscope and you just... You're looking at this like world that is like so incredible. And I can't believe that the world or, you know, the earth has actually made this. Like something deep within the ground has been created that is unbelievably spectacular. And then some amazing human brought it outside of, you know, the earth. So, so incredible. And there's a lot of um, different photographers now that are actually taking photos of the insides of gems. Um, And there's a few of my favorite Instagram accounts. I have to remember all their names, but there's mineralian and he does a lot of like inner opal and it just looks like this underwater sea world that's like in the sunlight it's amazing but you can look up you know micro photos of gems and see all their inclusions and you'll see gas bubbles inside this tiny like negative space that is literally tiny tiny like you have to look in a microscope to see it so looking through a microscope is just a super trippy world is it like in superman when he he lives in a crystal world kind (laughs) of it's you're just you're in awe of you know that it exists you're Mm -hmm. just like how did the how did the earth make something so beautiful and a lot of people don't know that that is something or they just you know it's not something that interests them but for me it's just like this i don't know it's like a nerdy thing i just love to look in a microscope and see this whole other world and it makes me really grateful for the earth i'm like wow so amazing. Thanks, Earth. Yeah, isn't it weird that there are gems that you haven't met yet that are just chilling in a rock in a cave right now? Somewhere. Longing mm-hmm. to be brought to light. And gawked at. Yeah. And <laughs> have you seen those like crazy giant selenite crystal caves in Mexico that no. photo that's been circulating everywhere where they're literally giant and you see the men like walking on them and it's just like pure magic. I don't even know. Damn. Superman must live there. Oh, my God. Holy stalactites, people. 
I looked this up and it's insane. Before you Google image search Cave of the Crystals, which is in Chihuahua, Mexico, please, please consider holding onto your butts because it's so insanely pretty, you're going to lose your minds. 30-foot-high crystals. They make Superman's Fortress of Solitude look like a studio apartment in Burbank. I'm going to give you the skinny on these things. So the caves were discovered in 2000 by some miners, and they were essentially flooded, naturally. But they were drained by the mining company to reveal these insane, beautiful structures. And the caves, right above a magma chamber. So they're hot as balls. 136 degrees. And when they're drained, it's up to 99% humidity. So researchers looking into these crystals had to wear vests that were stuffed with like otter pops and ventilators just to study them for 20 minutes at a time. The crystals are made out of gypsum, which is the same stuff as in drywall, but it's in crystal form. Now, the mining operation recently stopped. The caves got reflooded. So you can't go visit them. You can't have your birthday party in them. But just think, the crystals are just in a hot bath. They're chilling. The crystals are like, get out of here, dude. We've been here for half a million years, getting bigger and bigger. Fill us back up. Get your hard hats out of my butt. That's what the cave is saying. Sorry I talk about butts so much. Jeez. Well, what are you excited about? What What's like your next goal? Like what's the next thing you're you're excited about doing in your work? I personally just want to work more now like less with jewelry and more with the specimens, more mining, getting my hands on the natural product, seeing it in its environment, its natural environment. So um, ideally I would love to work in a warehouse of crystals and just be with crystals all day, every day, just like a huge, and they exist as wholesalers and things like that that sell to smaller stores. Yeah. I just, I love the idea of, for me, the spiritual aspect of just putting your energy into something physical to help you connect to earth and to, you know, your dreams and whatever you're doing. So, so now that I have this blue crystal that I keep in my purse, should I keep it in my purse or is that a shitty place to keep a crystal? You can totally keep it in your purse. I generally always carry something on me, like legitimately bra crystals, I think are a thing for women. Bra crystals? Bra crystals. You just stick it right in your bra. If you don't have a pocket, like if you're wearing a dress, I generally have one just, you know. Do you have any in your bra right now? I don't, unfortunately, but I'm wearing so many (laughs) that... But sometimes, you know, like I'm wearing a certain thing and I don't really have a necklace on or something. Right. So I just kind of stick one in there. Nobody knows, but it's for me. And it's right next to my heart, which makes me feel a little more, you know, secure and then better going into the world. But this is my new favorite thing is a bra crystal. Bra crystals, like really like soft palm stones are really good for that. They actually sell, they're like these round flat stones, but they kind of sit in there really nicely. So just like two, just like nipple one, covers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just be careful, you know, you don't want to like pop out somewhere, you know. Like, what is that? You'd be like, I don't know where that rock came from. Oh, you know. (laughs) Don't touch my crystals. Yeah, seriously though. I'm gonna shove this in my bra and see what happens. Yeah. To a calmer week. Addendum. Someone you know who is recording this voiceover right now may have put a crystal in her bra. And so what? Uh, but also it was the sharp, pointy kind. And when she took off her bra, it fell on her toe. And she was like, oh, I forgot you're in there, buddy. And then she looked down and she had the most ridiculous crystal-shaped imprint in her chest area. So if you're going to do a bra crystal, get the flat kind. Also, side note, since researching this topic, plus last episode's deep dive into how much a dino dig costs versus an American wedding, Google and Instagram and Facebook have absolutely poured ads for engagement items into my eye holes. 
and I hereby ask them to please knock it the fuck off, robots. Speaking of social media, you can find the wonderful, wonderful Kelly Sitek on Instagram as the Rock Huntress. She posts pictures of beautiful stones, including the ones that we talked about today. Ologies is also on there at Ologies and on Twitter at Ologies Pod, and I'm on both as Allie Ward. And if there's something about the podcast you want to hear, you just want to say hi or give me some feedback, you can email me at helloalleyward at gmail.com. If you love the podcast, you can go straight to rating, subscribing, reviewing, tell friends. And thank you to everyone supporting on Patreon. I decided to put this out without a network. I'm just going solo so I could do it without a bunch of ads. And you guys are making it possible for me to pay a sound engineer. Hey, Jason. And buy microphones and software and put up money for merch. Also, feel free to visit ologiesmerch.com for shirts and totes. Thank you, Shannon and Bonnie, for helping me with that. And thank you to Hannah and Aaron, a few of my dear friends, for creating the Ologies podcast group on Facebook and just being awesome. So until next Tuesday, remember to ask smart people dumb questions before you wind up crushed into a souvenir pendant or haunting an emerald. Next week, horology. Pachydermatology. Homeology. Cryptozoology. Lithology. Nanotechnology. Meteorology. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.